It is my honor and it is my privilege tonight to share from God's word and to look at a topic that I hold dear into my heart. As a matter of fact, I, I, if you've been following along, you know that Pastor Mike has started a series, but in the midst of this series, he's taken a break, and we are, we are allowing him to, to travel, to do school, to do other things, and we, me and uh, our, one of our elders, Stephen, and myself, we are coming together to do a series on biblical manhood. Now, I want to share with you that as I come up here, and I'm like 34 years old, I'm, I'm, gonna come up here, I'm not going to tell you to be like, you should be like me because I figured out manhood because I'm just like a kid, right? But what I want to share with you is this. As just a human being, as someone who wants to do right by the Lord, I have wondered for many years, what does it mean to be a man? I have grown up here in Longview, Washington, where manhood was displayed in a way that I thought it meant, you know, chew tobacco, spit things, swing a hammer, shoot guns, drink beer, do that. In my mind, that is what was displayed to me as manhood, and I, if you know me, I don't, I don't fit that. And so much of, my, much of the insecurities in my own heart have been, what does God call me to be in order to be a man? And in humility, I have taken the time to study and learn, and in many ways, it's what, it's what landed me back home in, in repentance here in Longview almost 10 years ago. And tonight, we are going to look at a specific part of manhood, and that is the call to leadership. Now, I do not present this tonight as someone who's figured it out and is like, <laughs> because I'm a church leader, you should do what I'm telling you to do, because that's not the point. Tonight, we as believers in the word, are going to gather around the word of God to see what our God who rules and reigns has dictated for us so that we may see our people flourish. So tonight, as we, as we jump into this, I, I, would, I would encourage you to embrace the struggle. Because I guarantee... Uh, this is, this is, these are some big pills to swallow, what we're about to go through. And for, for, for dudes, for men, I might, I might touch a topic that you do not appreciate, but you know what? I hope and I pray that I'm honoring God through this so that you can continue to wrestle with that in a healthy way. And for people, who, for, for women, and for honestly young women who are, who are watching online right now, I, I hope and I pray that as we model this, this gives you something to look for as you, as you look for a husband, as you move forward with your life. Because quite frankly, as, as, I've, as I've worked with, with youth for almost 19 years, one of the things I love to tell girls is that you should not date someone that you love. You should also date someone that you respect as well, as they look for a model of a man in their lives. So let's, let's pray, and we're going to jump into Joshua verses 1 through 9. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the struggle of your word, Lord, that you, that you Father, can convict, Lord, that you, by your spirit, Lord, you, you touch our hearts, you challenge us, Father, Lord, you, you remind us that you reign. And so, Father, as we come to your word, I pray that this message will be clear, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would inspire us, Lord, to know you, to display your glory, and to live, a way, live in a way, Father, that would, that would truly honor you. 
Father, for everyone who listens to this message, whether it be happening right now or later on as they listen to this uh, as a recording, Father, I pray that you would meet us where we're at and you would speak to our hearts. In your name I pray, amen. So we are in Joshua chapter 1. And we are looking at the topic of leadership. So let's just jump right in this. We're actually going to bounce back and back up to verse, verse 1 through 5. And let's, let's talk about this. And in your notes, you'll see that in through this, we're going to look at the mantle of leadership. It says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that, your, that, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. From the wilderness And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. If you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament, if you pick up in the book of Joshua, you know, you know that there has been quite some time that, that the people, the Hebrew people, the Israelites have left captivity from Egypt and have been wandering. They've, they've wandered through the desert and for 40 years they've been wandering because it was their promise. It was promised to them by God that they were going to inherit a land and when the, time, when the time came for them to step out in faith and to receive their promised land, many of the people within their generation did not believe that God would be faithful. So in turn, God sent them back into the wilderness, into the desert where they had to rely on God. And now, after 40 years, God has brought them back. And Moses, Moses, their leader, passes away before the crossing into the promised land. Now, this is an entire generation that has grown up in the wilderness, that doesn't know about the slavery, but only knows that God has provided, that God has been with them, and now they're looking to the promised land, and their leader has passed away. And it is at this moment that the Lord speaks to Joshua, the son of Nun, the man who was the assistant of Moses, and says, you... You are going to be the leader, that the mantle of leadership belongs to you. God reassures him. Look, if you, if you after in verse 2, it says that you're going to do this, you're going to help Israel gain the, 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 the promised land. And in verse 3, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. He's telling Joshua, I am with you, and you're going to inherit the land. And at the very last, in verse 5, 
after, after just showing the vastness of the promise that God has been promising the people of Israel, that this entire land, as he shows them how great of a promise and how faithful God is, he comes back to Moses or to Joshua in verse 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. In that last sentence, he says, Just as I was with Moses, and God was with Moses, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What we see here in this as God is communicating to Joshua, this newly appointed leader, is reassurance. We see that God has, has been faithful, that has promised the promised land, and now as he raises up a leader to take on the mantle of leadership, he's saying, I know you feel nervous, I know you're scared, I know that you're about to take on the responsibility, that all these people are going to look to you, and it's scary. But just as I was with Moses... I will be with you. So he encourages Joshua. He commands Joshua, take up the mantle of leadership. Now, if you're reading this, you could be like, well, that's great for Joshua. But for a person sitting here in you know, 2021 as a, as a, as a, as a, as a man, as, as, as a Christian sitting here, are we still called to take on mantles of leadership? Of course we are. Scripture tells us that there are at least three different mantles of leadership that we are called to step into. And the first is, is within our families. If you look at Ephesians, starting in chapter 5, verse 22, it says, and this is going to upset some people, but hold on, okay? The Word of God says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, let's upset children. In Ephesians chapter 6, it goes on. In, within that same vein, Ephesians chapter 6, it says, children, so the apostle Paul in the New Testament has spoken to wives. Now, he turns his attention to children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children are to obey their mothers and fathers. And if you back it up even further, it says there in Ephesians that wives are to submit to their husbands. Right there, the Bible clearly lays out that the mantle of family, the leadership within the family, that mantle is meant for men. But you know what? It doesn't even just say it there. Peter says it in 1 Peter that wives are to submit to their husbands as well as there. But you know, I know, I know that there are people who read this, they want to get all upset about this, but just hold on for one second, okay? Because there is a caveat to that. And we're going to discuss why leadership oftentimes can be so terrible. But right there we see plainly that the mantle of leadership should be taken up by men for families, but also we see it within the church. church men are supposed to step up into leadership. In 1 Timothy 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it says this. This saying is trustworthy. Right, you can take this to the bank. The Apostle Paul writes, If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. There are times, I, I think, that we, we kind of we get a little shy of that guy, or that person, honestly, anyone, who wants leadership so bad that keeps talking about how they should be the leader, they should be the ones in charge. And in, honestly, in, in Hollywood and our culture, we tend to glorify the reluctant leader. But it says right here, honestly, if someone desires to be a leader, that's a great thing because leadership is a noble task. To be an elder in the church is an honorable thing. It is a noble thing. But if it's the noble task, then the character of that man must reflect that task as well. It continues to say, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Let's just stop there for a second. The Apostle Paul shows us the mantle of leadership within the family, but also the mantle of leadership that men are called to within the church, to be elders, to be people of influence, to be people of nobility, to be able to manage themselves and their families well. As a matter of fact, if you're going to be a leader within the church, you should be a pretty good leader within your own home. But the point here is that we see that the mantle of leadership is meant for men. And the issues that we face in our world today is that people are not stepping up into leadership. Well, let's hold on. Let's look at that third mantle. Actually, let's, let's continue to go all the way down to... Uh, if we're still in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says in the last verse, verse 7, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. In the Old Testament, you see in Deuteronomy and in Numbers and many other times when the elders of Israel would come together, and not only were they in charge of the religious things within their, their community, but they were community leaders. So they would come together to decide the welfare and the well-being of the people that they were in charge of. That By that idea that we need leaders within our community as well. And let me tell you why the idea of the, the mantle of leadership is so important to me. I just spent an entire day working with foster care kids. From 6 a.m. to 5.15 today, I have been working with children who have been abandoned by their parents, who have looked at them by no fault of their own, and not all of them have the same story. But there are children who are not thriving in the lives that God has blessed them with because the leadership in their lives has failed them. Because there were people in their lives who did not want to take on the mantle of a leader 
but instead served themselves, and now these children are in the foster care system. God calls us to step up, that this mantle of leadership is our calling. But God reassures us, if you go back to Joshua, just as God was with Moses, he's with Joshua. And you know what Christ says in Matthew 28? That he is with us as well to the end of the age. So just like Joshua, we as believers in Christ, those who know the gospel, We know, we have the assurance that Christ is with us, that he walks with us, that he empowers us, that he sanctifies us, not for our own sake, but for his glory, because there is so much brokenness in this world. And it's through that leadership, as people step up, people will thrive. Look, look, as we continue on, let's look at the purpose of leadership. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, it simply says this, Be strong and courageous, for you, you, Joshua, you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. For generations, God has been whispering promises to the people of Israel. That the people of Israel, as they've been following, as they've been wandering through the desert, as they've been listening to their their leaders, they know that God has promised to them a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of their own, a land where they can go and be prosperous, a land for them and to see the fulfillment of their lives. And God, in his design, chose to work through a single person in leadership so that they can inherit that. It says right there, verse 6, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. The purpose of leadership is to glorify God by seeing his promises fulfilled. The purpose of leadership is to glorify God, to see his promises fulfilled. You know, earlier I I showed you Ephesians where it says that wives are to submit to their husbands and that children are to obey, are to obey their, their, their moms and their dads. Well, if you notice, I skipped around a couple verses, right? Let me read to you the the rest, the rest of that passage. Ephesians chapter 5, 25, 28 says, Husbands, husbands, right? After he got done telling them the wives are to submit to them. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let's break this down. If you back up, where it says Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. Sanctification is a very big churchy topic. If, you, if, if, if the children right now, we have, we have spent a month talking about sanctification on Wednesday nights, because sanctification, I'm, I'm hoping, if you went and asked a child right now what sanctification is, they would tell you. It is the process It is the process in which we become more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. As in, as believers, once we are saved, God's not done with us in that moment. That God has saved us and he continues to save us. That as we continue to follow him, God continues to break us and mold us and we become to grow and we thrive in our faith and we get to be challenged and grow and continue to grow and experience God in a deeper and meaningful way as we continue to follow him day by day, month by month, year by year. The children know right now that if you are someone who believes in Jesus, but you have not been growing at all, that you are the same person you were five years ago, there is a disconnect between the way you live your life and your faith. But I'm saying these things like I'm angry, but it is a joy to grow, because imagine God, the creator of the universe, being so present, so close in your life, that at every breath you know his presence. That God has cleansed you of your anger, of your frustration, of your worry. And you've grown in that. That is why Christ gave himself up so that he could sanctify the church. And it says, husbands, love your wives likewise. Your wife In this, your wife is meant to grow in sanctification through your leadership, is meant to grow and flourish in her faith in your leadership. Men are called to lead in a way that their wife would flourish in their faith. I bring this up because I've grown up with people who love to quote Ephesians and talk about how men are in charge of the house, and they just do what needs to be done, but they disregard the caveat to that, that their wives are some, they should be flourishing in their faith, but not just, not just their wives, because Ephesians, the same book, goes on in chapter 6, right after Paul tells children to listen to their parents. It says, fathers, in verse 6, or sorry, Chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of 
the Lord. Today, something amazing happened as I, as I sat in my little wheelchair <laughs> looking at these campers coming in. And as these campers came in, I recognized someone who was, I was a counselor for Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a camp dedicated to foster care kids. Okay. Two years ago, we were in this cabin, and there was a camper who came into my cabin who at the time was in kindergarten, and this kid was just awesome. Like, he was sweet. He just liked, loved to laugh. He was goofy. He just wanted to wear his pajamas everywhere we went. Super funny. Like, this kid is adorable. And eventually, he got really attached to me. And I remember at night one time, I went to go on a break. Uh, I had someone come in. They were going to read him a bedtime story. They were going to go to bed. And I, I got up to leave. And this child, this child said, Andrew, please don't leave me. Please don't leave. These, these kids have abandonment issues. They, they do. And he said, please, Andrew, please don't leave me. Can I, can I have, if you're going to go, can I have something so that I know you'll come back? Can I have something from you that I know you'll come back to get this? And I, that broke my heart, just to hear this. And I said, yeah, dude, here. And I gave him my flashlight. I gave him my flashlight. And I said, hey, I need this to see. I will be back for this. And he, he clung on to that like it was a teddy bear. And he rolled over in his bed, and he began to listen to the story as it was read. And I left for like 20 minutes to take care, like at this time, the way camp works is you, I only get one hour out of the day that I'm not with the, 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 my, camp, my camp, this is my hour. So I went, I ate, took a shower, all these things, and then I, I forgot something, so I came back, and he had fallen asleep. He had fallen asleep, and uh, I guess I was too loud, I'm a big guy. But I came into my, my, my bunk, which is on the other side of the room, and I started to un unzip something. I was looking for something in my bag, and I woke him up. And as he woke up, he said, Andrew, I'm so sorry. Please don't be mad at me. Please don't leave me. Please, please, please don't yell at me. Please don't, 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 don't be angry at me. And I was like, whoa, dude. What's going on? What's going on? And he said, I lost your flashlight. I was holding it, and I fell asleep, and I don't, I don't know where it went. Please don't be mad at me. Please don't be mad at me. Please, please, please. If you could hear the please in his voice, it would have broke your heart. And, I, and all it was, was like, hey, buddy, you, you fell asleep. It's just at your feet. And I, I found it. Like, here you go. And he's like, are you not mad? Like, I'm not mad. It's just a flashlight. If you did lose it, I'd just buy another one. But this child, at the time, who was in kindergarten, had grown up in a way where wherever he went, whoever he was with at the time, as he grew up, his parents didn't discipline him and raise him up. They punished him for when it was inconvenient to them. I've worked with children in youth ministry for a long time now. And I'm not sitting here pointing fingers at anyone in, in, in our church, but I know I work with kids right now. That when, when someone comes home from work and they're just really tired and their child just wants their attention, a parent just flips out and gets mad and disciplines or punishes their child because it's inconvenient for them to be with their child instead of raising them up. And for some reason as a culture, we have confused punishment and discipline. Under the provision of the leadership in the house, under the father, 
children are also meant to thrive. Not meant to be provoked to anger and despair. So that as they grow up, they just have issues with every other figure of authority. So what does that mean? If the mantle of leadership is ours, and even within the home then we see that that people under our leadership are meant to, to thrive, that kind of changes the way we're supposed to view leadership as believers, as people who claim Jesus, we should look at leadership differently. And Jesus himself explains this. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, Jesus, after someone, after, after the mother of James and John want, their children, want her two sons to be like big deals in the kingdom of God, Jesus says this. Jesus called to them and said, now this is Matthew 20, 25 through 28. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, as in they lord over their rulership. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Jesus said that. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The term there, the, 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 the theological term that we use as we study things like this, we call this servant leadership. The other kind of leadership is actually, if, if you're a fan of like John Maxwell, he's like the leadership guru from like the 80s. You guys remember the 80s? Okay. Like, John Maxwell... Back then, he, he's written many books, and one of his, his first book was The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And in there, he had a chapter on the five levels of leadership, and then he expanded that into a much larger book called The Five Levels of Leadership. The lowest level of leadership is leading from position. If you have a boss that leads from position, you know why this is the worst type of leadership. This is the boss who demands respect, not because of his character, not because of his care, but because he holds a title. That is it. That is the lowest form of leadership. And yet Jesus here calls us to something higher. He calls us to servant leadership. He calls us to servant leadership. And what does that look like? And listen, let me confess to you my sin. When I graduated from Bible college, man, I thought I was some hot stuff. I, dude, I just came out of like a theology class, ethics class, all these things. I could argue with anyone. And I loved, I still love arguing. I, I love arguing, right? Because I'll win. <laughs> I will. And at that time, at the church that I served, something happened when I graduated and I got a piece of paper that told me I knew what I was doing. That confidence made it to where I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't learn that until I got here. See, then when I started to serve the church I was serving, I looked at our church and said, you don't know what you need. You don't know what you want. Let me tell you what you want. Let me lead you to what I think you need. That didn't work out. 
And I hurt a lot of people doing that. I hurt the students that were under my care because of that arrogance. Because I came across, and in my heart, I believe I am the religious professional, so everyone else should look for me because I know what I'm talking about. It wasn't here till I came to Valley that I got a second chance, that Valley hired me and said, that, Andrew, you just need mentoring. You need some grace. You need some time to grow and mature. And that was nine years ago this month. Sorry. It was here that I learned servant leadership. Servant leadership is you have these skills, these abilities, these things, these insights. But the people you serve also have hopes and dreams and promises from God because they're people, right? And what it is, is that when someone says, I want to follow you, what they're saying is, I have hopes and dreams. I have a, a direction from the Lord. I have a calling. I have something in my heart that I know God is calling me to do, and I don't know how to get there without your help. So please, I will listen to you. I will submit to you. Take me to where I know God has called me to be, because I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the, the, this, the, the courage. I don't have what it takes to make the hard choices to get there, but I believe you do. I am trusting that God brought you here so that we can see these promises fulfilled. That is what servant leadership is. That Christ came to serve because you're a person, right? You have a relationship with God. And you want to see God glorified. But you also know that maybe you're not always the person to be up front, that you need someone to make the calls. So you need someone who will spend time with you, who will shepherd you, who will walk with you, who will love you, who will hear your heart. And then make decisions with you. That is servant leadership. And that is the leadership that men are called to within their homes, within the church, and within their families. The purpose of leadership is for God to be glorified when his promises are fulfilled. Now this, this all sounds well and good, but there's a discrepancy, right? Our culture would be very different right now. Our church would be very different right now if people picked up the mantle of leadership or, or if they led in a way that truly honored God and they were servant leaders, right? Because there's two problems. There's the person who God places responsibility and leadership in their hands and that person goes, I don't want that. I don't want that mess. Not at all. And then you have the other side of the coin where someone says, yeah, give me the recognition. Give me the fame. Give me the glory of what it means to be a leader because I want to be the guy up front. But then they lord it over the people that they are meant to care for. So let's talk about, let's talk about the struggles of leadership. Let's go back to then to, to Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 7. It says, Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. All that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be not frightened. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see here that in this passage, Joshua 1, 1 through 9, it says three times, three times God repeats himself, be strong and courageous. We're going to dive into those in a little bit here. But before we get there, I wanted to address, as you look through that, that passage, he tells him right there, after, that first, or sorry, after the second time, he tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. In verse 7, it says, Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Then he goes on to say, Don't turn from it, from the left or the right. Whatever God I've commanded, God's God commanded through Moses, don't turn from it. As a matter of fact, meditate on the word of God. Let it be on your mouth day and night. Let that be your guide. You see, the reason why people struggle with leadership, and I'm not talking about like, I have an issue with an authority figure. I'm talking about the person who says, I know I need to step into this, but I really don't want to. Or I know that I should repent and ease up on some people, but it's easy for me to ignore it. You know why? Because they're not in the word day and night. Because it's so easy to fill our hearts, our minds with useless content. We live in the information age, right? Gen Z is terrible right now because all they do is just consume content. And honestly, it's not just them. I meet people all the time, and I love it. I do it all the time. Just last night, I, spent, I think I spent three hours on YouTube just watching Lego videos. Yeah, that's me. This is the person who's the pastor of the church, right? There are times where I know I should be diving in the Word, and I do. But there are also times I'm not, there are times I'm convicted, like, man, I'm not taking this thing as seriously as I need to be. And there are people counting on me. And then there are people who don't want to take on leadership. You know why? Because they have failed. And it hurts. And I get it. Boy, howdy, do I get that. What's actually even worse is when you fail, is when the people just drive a stake through you, and they pinpoint you, and they, there's no mercy, there's no grace. As a matter of fact, right now, regardless, regardless of your political leaning right now, I would hate to be a political leader right now, right? No matter what you do, someone's coming after you. Whether that's locally or internationally. We look at leadership, and leadership looks hard, and people are like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. Leadership in the church is crazy. I've made decisions that people are like, Andrew, let's talk. And then they yell at me for like 20 minutes. It's a good thing I grew up. Anyway, I don't, you don't, my mom used to yell at me all the time. I can handle it. So, but what I'm getting at is I get it. And oftentimes, man, we fail. And because we fail, we don't want to try again. And sometimes there are times where there, there's those failures that loom over us and says, like, I can't be a leader again. I can't do this. If I do this, people are going to get hurt. Cool. 
Let me show you the Word of God. The Bible says three times, God himself three times says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You think God's trying to say something. I think he's saying be strong and courageous, right? But let's look at the Hebrew, right? Let's look at the original language and what does that mean? Let's look at the word strong. If you look it up in the original language, you see there's, there's actually a multitude of definitions that come behind it. But what you see is this, it's the sense of to have a sense of intensity, to harden, kind of to get ready, right? To flex, just to get hard, but also to have the ability to accomplish what is intended, implying an element of resolve. Now, this is beautiful, because it's the idea of hardening by, by resolve, to just to get something done, to get it done through resolve. You would think it's not, like, it, it, what does this have to do with anything? But then you see the second word, courageous. If you look up the word courageous in the Hebrew, in this context, it has nothing to do with, like, your fear, overcome it. It doesn't say that. It says, in many ways, in, 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 I've summed it up by saying, to be victorious by hardening one's belief. As in, if you're going to overcome fear, if you're going to overcome doubt, if you're going to be courageous, you do so by doubling down on belief. Tie that back up to strength, it is that resolve. And where does that resolve come from? It comes from the word of God. Because three times God says, be strong and courageous, then tells him, do not stray from the commands that Moses wrote. Do not leave out the word of God, but to meditate on it. As in, Joshua is about to step into the promised land with all these people. And it's not just there for their, their I mean, it is there for their taking, but there are people in it that they got to go in and kick out. There's going to be battle. There's going to be war. And what God is telling us is like, okay, be strong and courageous. Double down on what I have commanded you. Because when you do that, you're not doubling down on your strength. You're not doubling down on what you think should happen. You're doubling down on the strength, the might, the wisdom, and the providence of God Almighty. You want success in your life as a leader? Do you want resolve? Do you want redemption in your leadership? Double down on the word of God. That is who we are as a church. We preach the Bible in Christ crucified. And I hope that as you, as you grow in your faith, that you're not, you're not putting all your eggs into whatever philosophies of the world, but you're doubling down on the promises of God. Because it is through your leadership that people will see promises fulfilled. That those that you love and that you serve, they will flourish. Now, as we, as we bring this message to a close, you could be left with, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Because it, the classic thing to do right now is if, if you have a repentant heart, 
if you have a repentant heart. You could be like, you know what? You're right. I need to step up in the leadership. I need to do better. I need to be better at home, or I need to step up to do something at the church. I need to do all these things. And you're going to step, you're going to pull up your bootstraps and double down. And you know what? I'm going to serve. I'm going to be a leader. But that's not what you should do. Because odds are, you're going to double down on your own strength and you're going to fail again. God commanded Joshua and Moses, Joshua, to meditate on the word, to connect with the God of the universe. So my heart and my prayer for you is this. You, you love the people in your life. And they need you to step up. But you don't step up by pulling up your bootstraps and just trying harder because it's exhausting. And I'm not asking you to kill yourself over that right now. God is saying here is an area that you need to grow. And instead of running off into the sunset and trying to do this like, like a cowboy in a western, Humble yourself. Come and connect with me. Read the word and let us connect and it is going to be me through you that others will thrive. Because the purpose of leadership isn't for you to be glorified. It's for God to be glorified. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to share this last thing because this, this happened today. And I, I just, this, is, this has got me. Like this, I, I've been thinking about this for hours. I told you that story about the camper I had a couple years ago. That camper showed up today at our, at our camp. And I was super excited to see him. Kid has my heart. It's been a couple years. He was in kindergarten at the time. That kid has no idea who I am. Just completely has forgotten me. And that was devastating in that moment for him to like forget me. But then I heard, I listened to him talk. And I, I heard him just talk like, man, God touched my, like, touched my life at that camp. God was so good. Like, I, I'm so excited about this camp and this thing and what God is doing through here. And as I listened to him talk, I realized it's not about me. Right? This kid is loved by God. It doesn't matter that if he has a soft spot in my heart, it doesn't, he doesn't need to see me and remember that Andrew was his awesome counselor and all these things like that. What he needs to remember is that there is a God who sent people to give up a week of their life to love him. And it was through that he saw God and he continues to seek that out. So you know what? Even if he forgets who I am, he hasn't forgotten Jesus. We need biblical leadership. This world needs biblical leadership that's about God so that we can see people flourish. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for how plain you are. Father, for, for everyone who is listening to this message, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us where we're at. Father, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't feel guilt or shame, Lord, because your blood has already covered our guilt and shame. But Lord, I pray, Father, that we would hear you calling us closer to you. Lord, give us repentant hearts. 
Lord, help us connect with you. Lord, be glorified in our lives. May we submit to your leading. In your name I pray. Amen.